you do realize that they can hear you humming. I know. <laughs> Basketball was invented in spring. Basketball was invented. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My secret addiction to random stuff. So um, because this is a little early, we didn't really have enough time to set up uh, necessarily like a comedy bit or anything. We still will have Superman at the end of the show. Woo! Um, but... Uh, the rest of the show is going to be a little different. There's not going to necessarily be music. There's not going to be starting off with comedy um, because we sort of just showed up here like a minute ago and we're like, yeah, let's do the show now. Pretty um, much. <laughs> but I did I did um, come across this wonderful uh, YouTube video. Um, if you want, you can check it out. It's from a group called Extra Credits. Um, most of it is audio, so you don't have to worry about trying to figure it out um, necessarily yourselves. Um, it, you can understand what's going on without seeing the visuals. Um, they're just kind of nice and, and there to keep you awake if you're watching YouTube late at night like I do. Um, so we're going to take a listen to that and then sort of see where the discussion goes from there. Take a listen. Alrighty. So, um, that was part one. We may take a look at part two, um, if we end up not having enough to talk about. Um, hmm. Just um, sort of to start off with, I really like looking at videos done in this sort of take a step back and look at it style from non-believers because I think it helps us as believers who are sort of in the midst of... Yeah, already in, in the mindset of, of uh, religion. To, to see how people who do not have, share the same faith or, or even a, a faith system as we traditionally think it um, at all are perceiving what um, basically what it is that we are trying to show them. Mm -hmm. um, how effective are we at getting across our our message to non-believers? Um, I especially like it when it's um, something that doesn't specifically focus in on Christianity because it makes me feel um, a lot more comfortable in saying that it's to some extent not directly biased against Christianity, but is really genuinely trying to get a look at belief systems as a whole uh, and how they affect, affect humanity, which I think is what that video is trying to do within the context of the gaming community. Um, but I also, um, yeah, I, I think maybe one of the best places we could start is maybe taking a look at that uh, three aspects that they have. Mm -hmm. the, the lore, the mechanics, and the faith. Yeah, um, I think that it's maybe something that we as Christians don't look at it in that same way, but I'm not sure that it's necessarily untrue because we haven't been looking at it um, in w with those eyes, um, with that means in mind. Um, I, I find it um, interesting. For them, mechanics of religion, when they said that, in my mind, I immediately thought of like, Catholicism. Yeah, you thought of like the ritual and like the prayer and the beads and everything. Even beyond that, too, the um, way th that the belief system itself is structured with um, who's in charge and what's their role. Oh, even like the what's the role okay. of the parishioners, that sort of thing. Um, the in my mind, that's mechanics, and for them, mechanics is how does the belief system affect us in our lives as people mechanics of life in this case the mechanic yeah the it's basically the i guess what we would consider your life to be, is structured around the religion is that kind of uh, almost like grassroots 
grassroots. the effect of religion within grassroots people and then how that then broadly affects a society. So okay. um, some of the um, visuals that they were flashing before your eyes in a very quick manner, um, a lot of it's stuff like Civ Five, which they mentioned. Um, games that use belief systems as a mechanic typically do it as a means of the state to manipulate others. And it's really interesting that when most games are using religion, um, including Christianity, um, in Civ Five, actually, they split Christianity into three parts, which I find wonderful because most Christians don't even recognize orthodoxy as its own sort of that is true. unique piece or just don't know that it exists as such. Um, and Civ Five has orthodoxy, um, Protestantism, and Catholicism, each with their own cool little logo cross and stuff. Um, <laughs> But when, when the games are looking at it and, and purely looking at um, belief system as a means of manipulation, control, or altering the course of events as its own thing, it's getting one thing really right, um, and it's getting something else very wrong. The thing that it's getting very right is it's treating religion as its own separate entity apart from the state. Um, the thing that it's getting wrong is it's saying that the state is what controls the belief system. Definitely, yeah. Now, w I think there's a reason why games do this, and it's because a lot of them are replicating because they're... Replicating history. Exactly, because most of these are like fake Earths. Mm -hmm. They're not fantasy realms. This isn't, um, you know, go and fight dragons. This is like, what if the Earth, like history of the Earth happened this way? And so um, with a, most of these, they're called God games because you sort of are like, a god for your people over you know the course of like the entirety of a civilization for thousands and thousands of years you're telling them what to do um with these god games what you'll see is um the belief system being used as a weapon as a passive weapon to um alter the economy and um control and power of another um power in the world by undermining it with something that is controlled by you, being a belief system that you founded or that spawns in your area or that just happens to have certain bonuses with your people more than with other people. Um, it, it can be applied in a variety of different ways depending on the game. Yeah. But it's used as a manipulation tactic by the state. And that's because, like you said, that's how it, to some extent, people perceive it happening in history. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that's altogether wrong, but I'm not sure that's altogether right. And I think that we need to, um, as Christians, take a careful look at history and really be sure that when we talk about something uh, that happened in history that seems to be showing Christians as being manipulated being not not only manipulated but being manipulated in order to manipulate others oh i see what you're saying okay right so um an example would be um the catholic church i hate to bring up the catholic church because they're they they they've been beat up so many times with this and it's i'm not intending on <laughs> on um dragging them down or anything mm -hmm. i'm just trying to um sort of give an example that readily comes to my mind because I've heard it so many times. The Catholic Church um, sort of took control of Italy, as it were, and was basically the state for the peninsula of Italy 
for a very long time. And then when a bunch of kingdoms rebelled against it, um, they sort of took um, the, the, the Vatican City yeah. and surrounded it. And it, this is a really interesting thing. The reason the Vatican City is the way it is is because for a really long time, the Catholics refused to accept the fact that all those countries in Italy were countries. <laughs> so wow. th this is a piece of history. Um, the uh, big breakthrough, to some extent, of World War II in that region, it, or more the preparations for World War II, was that big um, treaty that was signed with Germany and with Vatican City. And the reason that's really important is because not only did it give the Germans autonomy to kind of manipulate the church any way they wanted to in Germany, but it meant that the Vatican City was now accepting the fact that Italy was itself a thing. Oh, geez, yeah, that's a that's a big thing for sure. It is a big thing. <laughs> um, it really shaped, um, well, first off, it's the reason why Vatican City isn't part of another country. Yeah, city-state thing. It's a, it's a weird city-state thing, and there's a whole lot of complications about that and the way that it works. And it's um, it, it not only is it a city-state, but it's also its own entity. It's also mm -hmm. its own person. Technically, um, treaties and stuff aren't made with the Pope. They're made with the seat. And so the seat that is in Vatican City, like the chair, like the actual physical chair, is considered to be an actual person. The chair is considered Internationally, legally speaking, the chair is the person, and so I the treaties aren't made with the Pope because the Pope can die. They're made with the chair because the chair doesn't die, but at the same time, it's an individual. And it's also Interesting the, concept. It's also the sure. head of the corporation that is the Vatican City, which is also the part that controls the country that is the... It's a weird, <laughs> complicated thing. This is what happens when you try to, um, you know... <laughs> when you have this centuries-long religious uh -huh. aspect thing that then gets formed into like a proper piece of paperwork that people have to sign and say, <laughs> this is how we're going to conceptualize this. Um, but it, for, for a really long time, Italy was affected by the fact that it had all these countries that weren't countries because for any Christian, they had to say that really I'm in this country, but it's not a country. It's actually part of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. um, and people take a look at that piece of history and are like, you know, see, look at these, these Christians are trying to, you know, gain power and manipulate and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and we need to take a look at history and say, you know, yes and no. Um, yes, the Christians were extremely biased towards certain scientific perspectives that supported uh, as, as an earth as the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. um, however, when you look at that old story of what is it like Galileo and who was it that was like no no the Earth oh, isn't in the middle Copernicus maybe not no, Copernicus no see this is how I'm, bad, I'm bad I am at these names <laughs> <laughs> I do know who you are talking about though. right and and he he um, he's like no no the Earth isn't at the center it's 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 orbiting the sun and the Christians are like oh no that's completely wrong that's not possible because the Bible says right yeah, here that's not biblically okay yeah you can't be saying that and heretic. And what's really funny is um, a lot of the leaders of the church at the time, including the Pope, were actually um, supporting this guy financially and in other ways um, for a very long period of time. It was not as um, cut and dry as the entirety of the church being like, you're a heretic for proposing this idea. Um, and him doggedly fighting its way, his way through that controversy to prove the truth anyway. Um, the best part is he was actually com completely wrong as to the, how the solar system worked because he refused to accept the idea of ovals. 
Wow. So, um, because everything had to be perfectly round, it ended up with all these weird ellipses and loop-de-loops and things. <laughs> and, and so it's, it still wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he had his own bias. Everything must be round. And because of that, he ended up with a whole bunch of weird issues as well. And he, his system, one of the main arguments against his system was not, it goes against the Bible, but you, our systems can't accurately predict what the plants are going to be doing, but neither can yours. So we're just going to stick with ours. That was one of the big ones. War of attrition, almost. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's like he's saying, no, no, we're all wrong because this, that, and the other. And the other. Yeah, kind of, except that you say this, and then you apply it, and then it still doesn't work. So maybe you're wrong. <laughs> Which one of these concepts sucks less? Hmm, let's go with that one. <laughs> right? And so when we look at this this part of history, and, and a lot of similar stories that were told of Christianity being the, um, the barrier to progress, Mm-hmm. We need to actually take a look, and I think oftentimes you'll find that as many Christians were barring the way to progress, there were Christians advancing the way for progress. Um, if it wasn't for Christianity, we probably would not have hospitals, certainly not the way we do today. Um, because there, even through the Christian era, there was this terrible fear of disease and it spreading and all that sort of stuff. And it was because of people's religious beliefs that they would establish um, a hospital within a couple miles of the town Today, that's like mm-hmm. barbaric. Oh, my goodness, a couple miles all the way out there. Those paranoid Christians and their pagan belief systems <laughs> preventing them from actually establishing hospitals in the towns. But um, the Greeks wouldn't have even bothered to establish a hospital at all. So is it really that uncivilized? Like the Romans wouldn't have done that. Yeah. The Romans would have just let the sick die and stick all the misfit-born babies out on the, the hillside. Um <sighs> So, Brutal yeah. Romans, gosh. <laughs> I, I know that's kind of a burn for the Romans, but, you know, they're kind of dead already, so I think it's okay. So no one can really get too offended. Well, hopefully. Um, <laughs> it, it's it, it, The whole thing is a lot more multifaceted and complicated yeah, when you it's look not at just history. A, it's just not just a big generalization. There's a lot of different aspects you got to consider, and you kind of got to put on, put on the lenses of uh, the people at the time as well. You can't just look at it as, oh, back in the day. <laughs> and so all of this to say that um, that first part, that mechanics part, yeah. the way they perceive it, um, the first aspect is they perceive it as, as Christianity is, and, and other belief systems as these things that are attempting to shape and mold and manipulate the fabric of society to be like them. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Christians aren't necessarily trying to do that. They're trying to shape and mold Christians, individual people, to become more like Christ. So that means yeah. becoming a Christian and then and, and following Christ and, and, and all the wonderful Christianese phrases we use for that. But really the idea is that we're trying to get each individual person to um, try to become more like Christ, not more like not more other like Christians. Us. Yeah, because, I mean, everyone is sinful. Exactly. So. It's trying to live up to that image of Christ that he set forth. So we have this misperception, and we need to um, be aware of that in order to be able to have conversations with people that, that mean something. We need to be aware that they um, perceive Christians and Christianity sometimes, and not everybody, but there is certainly a prevalence to the point at which an entire industry is stereotyping our belief system and the belief systems of others to be doing this. Um, there's another aspect of that, people don't necessarily look at Christianity and see 
a a broken, split up, multi factioned, um, completely uncoordinated mess of a belief system. A lot of them know that there are issues that Christianity, you know, that there's the Catholics and the Protestants, and maybe some of them know about the Orthodox too. But for the majority of, of people, they don't perceive Christianity as Christians do, as being fundamentally broken in some way. They perceive Christianity, they perceive Christians to be this big just a thing. Clump of, yeah, clump of all Christians in one, in one area. One that has a lot of different personalities and perspectives mm -hmm. and for that, they, they call us hypocrites, but they don't call us um, in, inconsistent necessarily. They call us consistently hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> so there's an important part of the mechanics there as well. Um, we, we are trying to fix, to some extent, um, Christianity with, um, uh, by going in and adjusting, uh, 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 trying to bring together churches and prevent you know, stopping church splits over stupid things like carpet colors or <laughs> whatever the case may be, because we think that it will help um, other people to see this unified body of Christ. They're already seeing that, but they're seeing it wrong. And so while I think we are going about it correctly, I, I think that um, the Bible supports the idea of this, this one body of Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that in order to fix it, we need to be one denomination of Christ. No, I don't, I don't think so either. It's important for us to be able to get to a point of understanding in which I can walk into a Catholic or an Orthodox church, having been a confirmed uh, Anglican, and take Eucharist with them. Whatever we need to do, whatever I need to give up as a... Uh, a Protestant, in order to be able to have all Christians be able to partake in, in Eucharist or communion um, with me of a Sunday, no matter what building it may be, and no matter what denomination may control it, I think is vitally important. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we should eliminate the unique and beautiful differences that the Holy Spirit has revealed in the complexity of who God is through the complexity of what the church has become. Okay. I think that it's amazing that, despite all the denominations, really you, uh, the majority of people sort of clump Christianity into three, amazingly, three unique yeah, divisions. three out of all the many, many, many denominations. Um, almost as if it, it's designed as such to be a reflection of who God is uh, yeah, to the, the world. Yeah, the three. Father, um, Son, Holy Spirit. The problem is those three aren't in full union, so we, need to, we do need to fix that. There is the, a, a good deal of misunderstanding, misperception that comes of that. But at the same time, um, watering down the uniqueness of each one of those um, parts of the body Mm -hmm. is just as bad as the division we're experiencing now. So whatever we do, whatever compromise we come to, we cannot water down the um, fundamental important aspects of those denominations. Now, how that looks, I have no idea. I have not studied this extensively. Yeah, we just need to... 
somehow recognize those those individual uh, differences that we have in the however big the differences in the beliefs are with the different denominations and move past that toward the greater the greater picture of Christianity and Christians um, living like Christ and serving others. Yeah, and and being and being one body and. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have spent their entire lives and then, and you know, multiple people have spent multiple lifetimes trying to work towards this. We still haven't gotten there, but I do have a, a, a great deal of hope that, that it is, I believe it is possible. Oh, anything is possible. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Through the Christ. So um, just because we haven't gotten there doesn't mean it's not going to happen. We just need to keep pushing for it as Christians. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the best places we can do that is grassroots at home. Um, don't wait for the um, bigwigs to start up Vatican III to give you permission to go to a Catholic church or go to a uh, Orthodox church or go to a, a whatever various Protestant denomination mm-hmm. church you want to go to. Uh, go there and, and worship um, wholeheartedly with your brothers and sisters in Christ and at the same time be respectful of things like Am I allowed to take communion or take Eucharist at this denomination or not, depending on how things are set up? But if a lot of us are, like, actually interacting mm-hmm. in between these main denominations together... Yeah, having more interaction than we have now. If if that happens at the grassroots level, it will work its way up to the top. And that's... I mean, preferably the top will come down towards the bottom as the bottom goes up towards the top. And then meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> exactly, and it'll 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 work its way the whole way through. So, um, I encourage um, anyone listening to go out and try different churches. Um, there really are a ton of churches in the United States mm-hmm. uh, that we are not lacking for churches. So, um, no, do not, not do not let that be an excuse. Um, even even here in Big Spokane, we've got oh plenty of churches. Seems like one on every corner practically. Yeah. So. Um, there are a great variety of churches, um, and you may find that you, uh, fall in love with one just as much as the one you've been going to for, for decades and find a a second church, um, community and home that you can spend some time with and enrich them with your perspective as much as they enrich, um, you with your perspective. Yeah. Um, the second part, what was it? It was the... So we talked about the mechanics mechanics. and that's the lore. The lore. Um... You know, this is this comes a lot from the video game perspective of um, when you're making like a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. This is you know you have this lore and you do this world building and and the so forth and and that's where they're coming from when they create this. When they're talking about the lore, uh, when when they say lore, it reminds me of especially of Skyrim how they built this whole entire. I mean, they like made a whole language up, didn't they, for the video game? I believe a couple of languages. Yeah, so. They're they're getting diving real deep into this, uh, yeah, lore. <laughs> it's really fun because all of that, um, all of this idea of lore and world building and stuff, like it's one of those ideas that's been building and building and building. Mm-hmm. The modern concept of it started in the Christian community in the town of Oxford with J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and some of yeah. their cronies sitting around in a in a pub. I've actually been to it. It's pretty normal. Um, talking about <laughs> the literary things they were working at and um, figuring out ways of writing these stories. And especially because of Tolkien, we have this 
uh, amazing, uh, these amazing stories, um, yeah. such as in Skyrim, where they have spent a lot of time creating a world bigger than they're able to portray in the stories that they give so that you truly feel that it's something unique and real mm-hmm. because everything you see is but a fraction of what that is is there you know there's stuff beyond what you're able to explore um so it, it it's really fun that that starts within a christian community <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting man. i i love that um because it started there i think um it's rather unfortunate that we've lost control of that. I think it's a classic example of how Christians, when they put their minds to it, can really, um, and how Christianity has shaped Western society and continues to shape Western society. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the movies that have shaped the imaginations of our generation and the previous generation. Um, Star Wars... Indiana Jones, yeah, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. These are all stories that are based out of that idea of creating a huge world so big mm-hmm. that the person who initially creates it doesn't necessarily have the entire story himself or herself. No. And then diving in and telling an individual story within the context of this massive universe. And that was created by a a Christian writer. Yeah. And then, I mean, since it's so big, then they just let it run from there. And then we get all this fan fiction. And, um, I mean, it turns from not just like movies or books to uh, other types of media. And it just gets, it grows and grows. And so let's let's, kind of bring it back to, I mean, the way that they were talking about lore. Mm -hmm. It is not just... Um, because they were talking specifically of the lore of a belief system. And I found it really interesting how they um, they brought up Halo, um, which I've not had the privilege of playing a lot of because I've never owned a game console, um, especially one by Microsoft. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I might be a bit more of a Sony guy. Yep, um, but that being said, like Halo uses a lot of Judeo-Christian symbolism for a reason it's because it gets a response from the people viewing it it's because it has a weight and this is something that i am not sure we're always we i i uh i spent a year at a bible school and a lot of times i would hear conversations from people uh, along the lines of and i talked with this person and they had never really heard who jesus was i think that what they don't realize is that the person they're talking to as little knowledge as they may have of the Bible really knows a lot more than we give them credit for. Yeah. Than they're even aware of maybe themselves. Exactly. There is a huge amount of, um, our culture that has been shaped by these Christian ideas, philosophies, names of things. Mm -hmm. And because of that, just because someone doesn't necessarily have a good understanding of what a Christian is or who Jesus is or what the Trinity may be or have heard the gospel message before does not mean that they are ignorant of this stuff. They have a huge amount of knowledge on it. 
but we don't know what that is very well as Christians. Um, I don't necessarily have a good knowledge of what's something I know because I've been a Christian and what's something I know because it's just part of culture. Yeah. Um, I think it's something... Hard to distinguish between. Yeah. Sure. I think it's something that we could benefit from a lot if we were to engage in more conversations with non-believers, not with the intent of making believers out of them as much as to understand what it is they already know about who we are as Christians. Um, because it will allow us to be able to then truly engage them with their knowledge and understanding as individuals and without mm-hmm. giving them repetition and with the advantage of using the weight that is already present from Christianity having been around for 2,000 years. Yeah. And, and using that weight that's already there, whether they know it or not, um, to help um, shape the conversation in such a way that does turn towards maybe not them becoming a Christian, but really having a good understanding of what it means to be a Christian so that then they can make the decision of whether or not they want to be a Christian themselves. Because we're not manipulating people into becoming Christians. No, it's, it's giving them options almost. It's, it's informing them as, uh, of, of the truth mm-hmm. so that through the, uh, an understanding of the truth, they can choose not even just to accept the truth or not, but with a knowledge of the truth, make a well-informed decision Mm -hmm. as to whether or not they are on board with this Jesus guy or not. Yeah. Because there's plenty of people that believed Jesus Christ. I mean, there's plenty of people today that believe Jesus Christ is, you know, Lord and and Savior of the earth and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and don't buy in and fight against it. And they're generally called Satanists. Um yeah. <laughs> it's not that they don't believe, it's that they totally do believe and they don't like it. So, which is very interesting to look at, especially from our perspective, I guess. It is. It's um, you know, kind of the opposite of where we're where we come from. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um but at at least at least they actually know what the heck's going on more than a lot of people everyday people That's do. That's true. So, um and it's so crazy because it's like all this, all these uh, references to, I mean, the Christian values and being Christian are like just right under the surface of our culture, but people aren't aren't quite getting it. And I mean, even we can't find all the all the references in our culture. Uh, my favorite one uh, recently was um, Avengers Two: Age of Ultron. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That movie is absolutely jam packed with references to revelation and um the gospels and acts it's like new testament all over mostly from the villain (laughs) um interestingly enough um but it is full of that stuff and i'm not even sure i don't think necessarily they were like let's read the new testament and find all the really weird and creepy stuff out of it that we can stick in the words of our villain and then make him the villain with this it's more just it's part of their psyche, their yeah. their consciousness, as it were. Um, it's in their brains already. Um, and then maybe they were like, you know, I think this was in the, oh, we could add this this part here from the Bible that a lot of Christians will get upon this rock, and then that'll sound really creepy. And um, But if it's a theme, that doesn't necessarily mean they're in-depth researching it. Now, of course, they research things to a certain extent for those movies because otherwise they would not be consistently as successful as they are. But True there's a lot of that that movie that is just 
scary because it, um, hang on. Oh, that's awkward. Uh, oh gosh. No, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm slightly bleeding from my finger, but don't worry. I'm, I'm not in need of a hospital. We're not damaging the equipment or anything, so Jordan will maybe, be good. <laughs> um, maybe while I try to put on a Band-Aid, uh, we can go with the next video sure. um, that talks about the center of it all. The, the faith aspect. The faith from the perspective of those who have no faith. All right. So, so. stand by. So, really interesting perspective on faith. Um, I'm trying to remember what the line was where he was like... Oh, about the starting and the ending point? Yeah. Yeah, so he said... He said that uh, with science, faith is the starting point. And he said with religion, faith is the ending point, sort of the center. Yeah, it. It, the, he didn't actually say it was the ending point, which... Um, oh, no, he, yeah, it he was, just said the center part. He said it was the central tenant. Central tenant, okay. And in, I kind of like that. Um, yeah, it was, like, it was a really interesting way to describe it. I... Um, it makes me wonder if maybe as... Christians, we should try to, because um, I think we do look um, as faith as a central tenant. Mm, yeah, definitely. But I think we're also embarrassed by that. Okay. Because huh. um, we work, and not all of us, of course, but I, there's certainly an aspect of Christianity um, that works very hard to prove that you do not need faith to be a central tenant of Christianity in order for Christianity to be true. Well, I'm they're trying to look at like the the logic more. I'm looking at saying. people like um and I'm I'm not trying necessarily to bash people like this. Um uh, for a really long time this was a huge focus of mine, a big interest of mine. Um, I understand completely where people are coming from with this, but like um, young earth creationists, how like a lot of times their discussions slash arguments with other people center around the validity of things like the early accounts in Genesis, um, the scientific possibility of it. Like, oh, okay. like if, if you can't take every word of the Bible completely literally, then what's the point? Um, and because of that, we need to, um, defend every single sentence in a literal sense to the death. I, I mean, you know, first off, that's a really bad way of looking at Psalms. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, most people know not, you know, and, and there's, there's some, th there's some give and take as to which books of the Bible you take absolutely completely literally and which ones are clearly intended for metaphor and, and some would argue, you know, one way or the other, especially with things like Genesis. Mm -hmm. um, there's some debate there, but when it comes down to it, there's a uh, community of Christians of which I've spent quite a bit of time with, at, at least earlier in my life, where um, you spend all your time learning and thinking in terms of uh, debate and defense. They call it defense of the faith. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, the idea, I, I find it really interesting that somehow for them, um, they may not actually say it this way, but there's this feeling of, um, I need to defend my faith or else it will get proven wrong. 
And of course, you know, it's God. That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to be proven wrong. It's they might have false logic that they may believe. Exactly. Um, so you're not defending the, f you're not, you're not defending God. Um, he, he doesn't need to be defended. Um, okay. It, it's in, I think it's important, um, that we have a response for questions given to us. I don't think it's important for that response to be um, based off of a pure, literal interpretation of every part of the Bible. Um, I tend to lean heavily on the side of, if it says it, that's what it means. Mm -hmm. I tend to take the Bible literally. Um, but as, I, as do many people. As do many people. But for me, I've gotten to a point where that's not the important issue. The important issue is um, whether or not Christ died and rose again for the f forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should be um, focusing on. Not whether or not Noah's flood covered the entire earth. That really doesn't affect the key point of the gospel yeah, message. They're missing they're missing the big concept there. Exactly. Whether Getting that's supposed detailed. to be a thing that actually happened to represent um symbolically something in the future or whether that was written down to represent something symbolically in the future does not change the importance of it representing something symbolically in the future. Yeah. Right? Um and so while it isn't I, I think it is important to be able to look at the Bible and interpret a, a large part of it literally um, mm -hmm. if you want to and for that to be considered something that's rational and sane to do, especially within the Christian community. Um, it should not be considered heresy or wrongheaded for someone to take a look at um, certain parts of the Bible that could because of the way that they're written, because of how long ago they were written, because of the subject matter maybe not aligning perfectly with our understanding scientifically of how things happened in the past, look at it and say, you know, I think really it's more really intended, like God intended this to be much more of an allegory, much less of a this is what happened because this is what happened. Because yeah. I, I think you'll find that even with things that most people say, yeah, that probably happened, like, um, unless people completely deny the possibility of miracles, most people would say, you know, Noah, or Noah, <laughs> um, <laughs> Moses struck the rock the first mm -hmm. time, and he struck the rock the second time, and both times water came out, and the second time he was chided because he wasn't supposed to strike the rock to get water to come out of it. Yeah. Right? Like, whether that did happen or not does not matter nearly as much as what it's supposed to be representing. Mm-hmm. God puts that stuff throughout the whole Bible. The, there's, the stuff that's in the Bible isn't there just because it happened. If it did, it's there because it's supposed to help us understand who God is, what he's about, and also because it's one of those, one of the most brilliantly um, written sets of books that's, I'd, I'd say the most brilliantly written sets of books that's ever been put together because everything ties into everything else. Mm -hmm. And because everything ties into everything else, there isn't a part of the Bible that is there simply because 
it in and of itself alone is an understanding, but it in of itself in combination with everything else is yeah through through all of it you get right understand you have to have a good understanding of the Bible as a whole and the individual parts mm-hmm. it's that balance it's that balance and so um I think that's why we need to um refocus on faith being important um because if we hang our hat on science you know if we are so obsessed with proving the validity of the bible within the context of science then we're making science more important than we're making the bible yeah trying to trying to prove it wrong and in that way it does okay yeah trying to trying to trying to prove science wrong or prove science right or just use science with that's the that's the problem with science it's really easily manipulated to be used in one way or another especially with things of the past because you know observable repeatable and that doesn't happen with certain key events of history <laughs> so <True>. really it's <laughs> you know it, it's kind of impossible to scientifically prove a lot of things including things that all scientists would agree on like there was an ice age mm-hmm. like how many there were and to what extent and all that people disagree with but i'm pretty sure most scientists agree that there was an ice age and yet scientifically i'm pretty sure it's impossible to definitively prove that because we haven't experienced an ice age true yeah it'd be i mean over long periods of time so (laughs) right so it's you know it all of it's that's the thing you you start focusing on the the science more than you start Mm -hmm. focusing on the bible the bible is a means to an end of manipulating the science and to getting people to you know it it just becomes this rabbit hole Mm -hmm. as opposed to just trying to understand the Bible for the Bible. Um, you may interpret it differently than another Christian, but a lot of times I, I don't think that's because one person is inherently interpreting it wrong, but because they're receiving different... I mean, this is why we have Bible studies, because the Spirit reveals different parts of a passage to different people, mm-hmm. and it's in studying the Bible together that we can get a better fuller understanding of who god is because he doesn't reveal himself in full completely i mean to just one person no it's through yeah it's through others i mean if if he does you die yes that's what he told moses or was it abraham no it was it was moses yeah it was moses and then you know and even just that little piece of god that was the back of him and moses is like (laughs) glowing for days (laughs) right uh a little bit of god goes a long way uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, at least that's what I got out of that aspect of the faith. What, what, what sort of things did you pull from? Definitely, yeah, definitely that they need to, uh, I definitely agree with you that they need to get the, the faith aspect a little bit more in the, in the games. Um, yeah, we already talked about the, the lore and the mechanics well actually we're that's that's just about it for the show oh oh wow <laughs> it's, okay. it's been it's been nearly an hour um so i guess we can roll the the ending music here okie dokie i i hope everyone enjoyed our um interesting way of going about a conversation mm-hmm. um do check out these people most of the time it's not nearly as philosophically intense of stuff <laughs> if you are into games especially game design that's really what their channel's about yeah they don't really do reviews or anything but um 
It's called Extra Credits. Uh, they also do really interesting history pieces of little bits of history most people completely ignore. Um, so if either of those things sound interesting to you, um, they're a great resource. 